A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum, to steal a line out, make a break and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend, for one team to become champions. And it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries, and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide, and he finds a winger. Oiderman, he's faster than a bald man's haircut. Oiderman, and he gets the try. What a heartbreaker. Welcome to MLR Kickoff 100, live from the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Well, hey folks, and welcome episode 100, where we finally made it of MLR Kickoff. Doesn't feel the same without the Stats Boy Aaron doing the intro, but I'll do my best. Dan Power with you alongside the Professor Pete Steinberg, and we are on the eve of the 2021 MLR Championship. This is a big day for everyone. The 100th show for us, Pete, and we uh, couldn't pick a better location. We've come a long way from episode one. We are now on the rooftop here at the Coliseum in Los Angeles. So welcome in, everyone, to the show for what it promises to be uh, an absolutely huge weekend for MLR. Pete. Let's talk firstly about the significance of where we are and what is ahead of us this weekend. It promises to be a great weekend of festivity. Ticket sales going outstanding, leading in. Guiltinis, ATL, probably the two best sides this year, you would say? I, I think so. I mean, I think these are the two sides that have shown the most throughout the season. Obviously, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about their full season, but LA came out of the blocks fast, been pulled in a little bit. Um, ATL didn't start so well, but came strong at the end. So I'm excited to see two teams playing two different styles tomorrow. Yeah, well, let's talk about pathways to where we are here. Who do you want to go first, east or west? Uh, I mean, I think the, uh, um, the pathways, I think we want to go west first. West I first. Think first. Yeah. Coltini's home side. So let's talk about their season first. What stood out for you as the Giltini's, you know, uh, message or their ethos for this season? Well, I think it's really interesting. So I'm going to use my laptop here, Dan, because I'm a professor, but yeah. I, I can't remember anything. So let me, let, me, let me pull up some of the stats that I was looking at a little bit earlier this week. First of all, I think it's really interesting to see how LA really came out of the block so quickly. You know, they scored, and excuse all the numbers at the same time, but they scored uh, 42, 57, 43, 48, 45, 47. First seven weeks, everyone said, LA's unstoppable. Unstoppable. Right? And then they came across New York, right? And New York were able to win that game 18-16, okay? And they won that game, and it was really interesting. They won that game actually by dominating the possession of the ball, right? So what they said is that we're going to have the ball, and we're going to hold on to it. Now, they didn't do much. They didn't do much with the ball. They had one line break the whole game, right? They scored all their points with kicks. Um, and uh, LA had five line breaks, but they weren't able to convert. From that moment... The Giltinis haven't scored more than 43 points. Sorry, more than 40 points. They've, they've, ah. they've, they've been in the 30s. I think their highest score, let me have a look, is 34. Oh, sorry, 38 right after that. But they haven't cracked 40 points since that New York game. Yeah. So New York actually gave, I think, a little bit of a blueprint on how to hold on to the Giltinis. Now, if you remember, Dan, early on in the season... When did the Giltinis, Giltinis score all of their points? First 20 minutes. First 20 minutes. The they were like, they blasted everyone out, and then they just kind of coasted. And I think what New York showed is if you can hold on for those first 20 minutes and you can go into halftime close, 
you can be competitive, and they really struggled the rest of that season. Yeah, and a lot of the talking point, obviously, coming into this year with that roster was how do they survive the season? The attrition rate, we saw a lot of rotation from head coach Darren Coleman with some of his older players coming into it. And, and you go through some of their statistics and it's obvious, you know, the, the number of games and minutes they played is significantly less off those superstars than maybe some of the other teams around the league. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, um, uh, LA only have two players that have played over a thousand minutes. So most other teams have five, six, seven players. So that rotation has been really important. And of course, and we'll talk a little bit about the preview at, at the end of the show, but I thought it was really interesting because they lost to New York, right? And they also lost to ATL. Now, New York dominated possession, held on to the ball. They also were able to play in the Giltini's half. They just held on to the ball. They didn't go anywhere. ATL, very different game plan for beat, beating the Giltini's. What they did is they kicked. They gave up possession. They had like 36% of possession. Nothing, but they had 60% of the territory. So what they did is they said, we're going to kick and we're going to lead with our defense. So New York and ATL showed two different ways that you can beat the Giltini's. But it's really about, there's two things you have to do and what the Giltini showed. So we started off, we talked about their attack. Their attack was amazing. Yeah. But actually, the thing that really stands out for the Giltini's is they have the best defense. And we probably have the two best defensive teams in the league here. Yeah, we do. I think uh, LA ends up with a 91% successful tackle rate, which over the period of a 16-game season is unbelievable. Like, not a, not a blemish in there. And I think... You can go through their record, Pete. What's the highest number of points scored against L.A. this year? I'll put you on the spot here real quick. Who scored the most points against L.A.? Yeah, yeah I, I, I almost guarantee it came in a, a win for L.A. as well. All right, let's, let's have a look. Let's have a look. So, so this, is, this is a really good question. Who scored the most points? Utah, 34. 34. Oh, look at that. He's like, look at Utah. Absolutely. Utah, Utah, 34. 34 in the game where they rested. Yeah. And they rested their players, right? Yeah. So, so they do have, and, you know, I was talking with James Patterson. He's going to be on the sideline yep. um, with you for the, uh, with, for the game tomorrow. And James and I were talking, and it's just interesting. We have two of the best defensive teams, but they're both very different. Yes. And I actually think that what LA have is they have the best defenders. Like, they don't really have a weak defender. Maybe a little bit on the outside, but in the middle of the field, they've got great individual tacklers. ATL have a defensive system where you don't actually have to be a great tackler and a great defender. You play part of the system. So I think those are two different yeah. defensive patterns that we'll see um, on the game tomorrow. All right. Before we shift over to the East, give me your top three players for LA in 2021. Who stands out for you? Three, two, one. <laughs> pressure, pressure, pressure. <laughs> so um, that's a, a good question. Uh, I'll go first because I'll put you on the spot. So we'll go, my number in third place, I'm going to go Harrison Goddard, the number nine. Okay, yep, Instrumental, yep. unbelievable I, young talent. And, and it was really important last weekend, yep. set up two tries with his vision. Um, I, I, I agree. I think Harrison Goddard, can I go with the second one? Yep. All right, so I'll go with Dave Dennis. Yeah. I think Dave Dennis is so important because their line-out is so important to their game. And Dave Dennis is probably one of the best line-out operators in the league. They score almost 60% of their tries with line-out being the source. He is absolutely critical to their success. Yeah, and, you know, I'll have to split number one now because my number two and number one, I couldn't really separate. I'll go Billy Meeks and Angus Cottrell. I think the return of Angus Cottrell for tomorrow's game tips the scales towards LA for this game. We'll, we'll dive into that later, like you said, but Billy Meeks, the, probably the best back in the league this year by far. I think just his influence on the game, the way he controls the game, his defensive efforts, the way he gets over the ball, tough player, skillful player, great player. Angus Cottrell, oh, 
what what a bulldog he is. Well, I think we've seen the struggle that LA have had in the last few weeks without Angus Cottrell. And it's not just he's a like he's their number one ball carrier, right? Um, you know, especially as they've lost Adam Ash, right? So he's such an important ball carrier. He's physical, right? So he's super physical um, in the contact. And I think that he's a bit of a leader in that lineout. Like their lineout really struggled last week, and I think having Angus Cottrell back will just calm everyone down. And he's just such a great leader for them in that, in that forward pack. Yeah, he certainly is. All right, what was your signature performance for LA this year? So, I- interestingly, let me, you know, Dan's, Dan's pulling me. I'm trying to get the, uh, I, there's a lot of pressure here. I think that, um, to me, I think their best performance was probably the um, Utah game in week nine when they beat Utah um, 38-27. It was a so far. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It was in so yeah. far. Yeah, yeah, I remember that because you, you called that game, I right? I did, yeah. And, and I think that's, that was an important game because, you know, what we've seen, and maybe we didn't know it at the time, but Utah was a really good team and they had a really good set piece. And L.A., no problem. Like, like, we, like looking back, you can say, wow, that's probably a statement game because they won that game pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Okay, Utah came back at the end to make it closer, if as you remember, Utah Dan. I like to do. Yeah, as Utah does, right. They're really good in the last 20 minutes. But I thought that, looking back, is a real signature performance where you're like, all right, this LA, I mean, we knew that they were good. You can look at the first games. You know, you can say, you know, if, if we look, I mean, I thought one of the really interesting games was in week four where they beat the Toronto Arrows 43-16 because in that game, Toronto actually kept it close at halftime, Right. It was, it was actually close. You're like, oh, Toronto in this game, and L.A. just turned it on. Their ability to just score two or three tries in like three or four minutes separates them from – no one else can do that in the league. That was the most confusing logistical game of the league for the year because you had L.A. playing Toronto, who were based in Atlanta, in New Orleans. <laughs> I'm like, hang on, I've got to figure this out. So Toronto are in Atlanta but playing a home game in New Orleans against L.A., Got it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so there were some, some geographical challenges. So, and there so was I, their first test on the road, too, I believe, like real test on the road. I think, like, yeah, I think that's right. But it's that ability, and we'll see it tomorrow. And, and it's, it's interesting because actually Atlanta's, um, uh, Atlanta's defense lends itself to having quick tries scored against them. What they do is they say, we're not going to let any line breaks. Right, their, their defense, they put everyone up in their defensive line. That means that there isn't much cover. So if you make the break and you make two passes, New York showed this when they beat Atlanta in the regular season, you make the break, you have someone like Andy Ellis supporting really well, you make a pass and you're probably going to score. Yeah. And so, you know, LA's ability to just explode and score from anywhere is, it, it, you know, you, it doesn't matter. Like there's, there's a little bit when you're going to be, um, it's a little bit where you're going to end up you know, with L.A., if they make that line break, they're probably going to score. And they just, they can do it from anywhere. So even if ATL kick the ball to them and say, you can have it inside your 22, inside your half, yeah. L.A. can score from there. It doesn't really yeah. matter where they are. In fact, I almost, I almost think they're better from, like, around the halfway line than they are near the line where you've got to grind it out. They're better where there's more space, there's more kick, pass yeah. options. I think that's where they're most dangerous. I agree. From, from the opposition 40 to their inside their 22, I think it's where they do their best work. Well, we're going to take a, a quick break. When we return, we'll be looking at the Eastern Conference. But to take you out into the break, I want you to enjoy this. Some of the highlights, and there were plenty of them, from the LA Guiltinis in 2021. We'll be back after this. No, no.
Yeah, Bryce on the outside. DTH again. Thunderman gets a double within the first eight minutes. Thanks for staying with us. We are joined now by the head coach for the LA Giltinis, Darren Coleman. And Darren, final game in charge of LA for now. I don't want to curse the uh, the volatile coaching job at the Waratahs just yet, buddy. But <laughs> final game for the Giltinis. Just give us a quick overview of obviously your American experience with LA. Yeah, it's been amazing. Yeah, you've only got to look around here. This is where we uh, we come to work each week. So it's um, it's been really cool. Um, the rugby, it's, it's been a really positive experience. Obviously, we've had a, a solid season to date, uh, made some new great friends and, uh, and really enjoying watching the, watching the sport take off in America. It was obviously a late uh, get-together for your roster. You must have known with Adam Fryer and, and Hoyle Z and the whole crew of kind of who you had coming in. But publicly, you go into camp in Maui, a little, a little bit unknown, and then some big signings start getting announced for LA. Starting this year, what were your goals coming in for LA? Oh, I think your goals have got to align with your owner, and you only, only wanted to win. So uh, yes, yeah. if you're not aligned with that, then you're probably not around for too long. Um, yeah, so yeah, we, we knew we were building a roster that could give it a shake. And um, once we got there and we got to Mao and we had a good camp and, and got going into the season, that sort of, that was what it's, that was our target, and we're sort of still shooting for it. Yep. So when you look back at the season... Where do you think your team has grown the most in terms of throughout the season? Where do you think you're, you're, you know, you're peaking as you come into the final? Yeah, it's a good question. I think probably earlier we may be a bit of a one-trick pony. We had a lot of uh, what we call flashy attack. We, we scored a lot of nice tries and, and teams sort of had a bit of trouble hanging with our offense. And as the season progressed, teams sort of worked out how to defend us and and put a bit more pressure in certain areas. And uh, I think probably our best thing is now we're a bit more well-rounded. We've taken a few good lessons during the year in our losses, which I'm glad we've had now. Probably the, the biggest biggest one was the Atlanta loss. Um, and then that sort of flowed on to now our defense. Like uh, We may not be the most aggressive defensive team, but we, we've got pretty good confidence in our, our line integrity and, and not too many teams are scoring a lot of tries against us. So when you look at your American experience, what's been some of the most, Im- Im- I guess, uh, surprising things about Major League Rugby? You know, coming over here, not maybe knowing a lot about the game in the U.S., what's really surprised you? Well, I think obviously you just have a, a massive advantage with the sports culture in America. And uh, funnily enough, we had, a, we had a breakfast this morning uh, for our supporters and season ticket holders. And I got around and chatted to a few groups. And uh, three of the four people I'd chatted to didn't have a rugby affiliation before this year. They were 
through that through those four pockets of people had come to rugby for the first time at for the Giltini. So uh, that astounded me. I thought the, the people we had coming to the game were rusted on rugby people. So it gave me some some hope and some spirit that we're already uh, starting to delve into to the population outside the general rugby uh, rugby population. So it's great. Yeah, we're going to welcome in your captain now, Dave Dennis. Uh said you worked him pretty hard in the captain's run. That's why he's late. Yeah, let's hope he's, <laughs> rehab table. Let's hope he's not as late to the breakdown go. tomorrow. <laughs> Big Dave. Good. Great to meet you, buddy. You. Yeah, good to see you. We're going to bring that down for you. There we go. This is live, David. You've got to be, you've got to be on. Hello, Captain. So, so captain, Captain's run in the bag. Uh, looked, looked like spirits were pretty high. Uh, for, for the eve of a pretty big game for a lot of these guys playing, not a lot of pressure showing on the Giltinis. Is that something you're, you're pretty happy about to come into this big game with? Oh, yeah. I'm just trying to tell the boys to try and relax as much as possible. We're still a long way from kickoff, um, albeit a, a 1 p.m. kickoff tomorrow. Um, still a long way to go before we start the match. So we're slowly building. There's nerves, definitely, and there, there will be pressure in the game, but that, that's not happening yet. Um, so this morning is just more around clarity, um, getting uh, complete uh, detail in our game and getting excited about the opportunity that's ahead. Yeah, Dave, you've had a long career, mate. You've obviously had a successful career in Australia, over in Europe. You've done a lot. What were the challenges you set for yourself to come over to the US and play with LA? Like, what was the lure to get you to MLR? Um, I think the, the biggest thing that appealed to me was trying to build something from scratch. Um, I, I've been very fortunate to play at two very proud clubs in, in terms of uh, New South Wales Waratahs, which is my home club back in Australia, and then Exeter Chiefs in England, which is a very proud club as well with a long history. And... Um, it's easy to go into an organisation where there's culture established and um, people have worn the jerseys before you. To come here and have a blank canvas, um, have have no culture, uh, not know a lot of the players, obviously a history with uh, Darren and a few of the Aussie boys back in Australia. But outside of that, I, I just really like the idea of trying to um, be a part of something from scratch. And uh, look, I've, I think we've started positively um, yep. and I think there's a good future ahead for the Giltinis. Just one more on the culture thing you mentioned. Did you ever imagine as you built the culture here it would involve Adam Ashley Cooper and Matt Gitto and Gillies girls' outfits? Was that part of the plan for the culture building? <laughs> well, the one thing I'll say when I, when I talk about building culture and I'm part of is I, I want guys to be free to express themselves. Yeah. So uh, Matt and Adam, uh, they're obviously great mates. They're legends of the game. And if that's what they want to wear into work every day, then so be it. <laughs> So, so let's talk a little bit about tomorrow's game for both of you. So I'll open it up for both of you. What, you know, when, when you look at um, the ATL team, tell us a little bit about like, what impresses you about rugby ATL and what they do well. Oh, for me, I think it's just they're just a tough team. Um, they're tactically quite smart, the way they play field position, and their set piece is really, really strong. You know, I've obviously in, in the engine room, in the type five of our, our, our squad, and uh, having had some experience, I know the importance of a good scrum and a good line-out, and they've got that. So uh, that's probably, for me, the, the most... Uh, the, they're, they're the things I've been most impressed about, and you saw when we played over in Atlanta, they beat us in those areas. So, um, you know, they're a great, great side and deserve it Eastern Conference champions, so it's going to be a huge test. Yeah. For me, um, it's probably the clarity. Like, they, they just... They've got an identity, They're obviously really well coached. Um, Scott's done a great job and he's obviously recruited around the way he likes to play the game. And I've got a feeling we know for the most part what's coming. Uh, we didn't probably as well as we should have last time we went there. And uh, 
he's recruited players and conditioned them to a certain way to play the game and uh, it's up to us to figure out how to get around that or yeah. over it. Now, now when, you, when you look at your team, you have like some extremes of experience, right? You've got guys that have played in World Cups, have had lots of finals rugby, and you've got guys that, like, this is their first experience. If, like, have you, what have you done to kind of build up some of those guys that have less experience? How have you helped them prepare for this week? Yeah, I think they just get swept along in it. Like, um, I think if you ask Dave and, and Gitz and, and Adam that even though for them it may seem, or for people it may seem like a smaller final, if you're emotionally invested in something, there's nerves. And I think our group's emotionally invested. I, I don't f- shy away from the fact that players are going to be nervous. I'm nervous. If you're not nervous, it doesn't mean you care about what you're doing. So uh, nerves are a good thing as long as you don't freeze. And, and I think our job now, we've built up the emotional side of it. We finished the tactical and technical a while ago, and now it's just making the boys relax and just enjoy the day and enjoy the experience. Yeah, I want to get into a bit more of the tactical stuff for the game tomorrow. Now, you guys have had a lot of success at the line-out, and Dave, you're a big part of that as not only the captain but the leader of the pack and the line-out. There were some issues last week. Utah, very competitive, pushed you quite hard in the line-out with Fortane, Jensen, Wilson, very you know aggressive at the line-out. ATL have come out, put Momsen at eight to have a third jumper. So they've got now the two jumpers, uh, Big Mano and Connor, are now putting Momsen. What, what have you addressed from last week uh, from the Utah game? And then obviously they're going to throw pretty much an identical thing at you this week, be very aggressive at that set piece. Yeah, I think it's something I've been pushing all, along, all year long with the group is the importance of just the focus around that restart of the game, whether it's a scrum or a line-out, you've got to be totally focused on just the job right in front of you and I think last week we just lost a little bit of uh, focus and our clarity and our, our communication broke down a little bit and it hurt us um, and that comes with pressure you know you, like you said Utah put, put us under good pressure and we probably just lost our way a little bit so uh, it's just about resetting I've got total confidence in our in our set piece and um, it's just a matter of being in the moment every time we get an opportunity to restart the match and, and we're well aware of the pressure we're going to receive um, but we've got, to, we've got to soak that up and enjoy it and, and take it on yeah, DC as far as the entertainment goes, you're in control of the entertainment. You've gone from Fat Man Scoop to Steve Aoki. Uh, was yeah. that a bit of pressure from the younger playing, you know, the playing group to say, hey, come on, this could be something that wasn't in the 90s? Yeah, no, I, uh, I think that's more a Gilly influence <laughs> thing. It, it took me a while to figure out who Steve Aoki is. You got but, it. Um, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm pumped to get out there and rock around with him or whatever we do. I was uh, watching uh, uh, Glenn Bryce on the... on the. Or was Adam Ash? Who was on the... T- Adam Ash, oh, yeah. yeah, we've got some talented Could individuals. Could have saved a bit of money. He was pretty good. <laughs> DJ yeah. Big Sexy. Yeah. yeah. yeah he's, uh, he likes it. He's been spinning the disc for a few years, apparently. So yeah. um, uh, he, he'll be involved tomorrow, I think. Yeah, yeah. he's a half-time show, I understand. Is he? We're starting to wonder if that injury is actually legit, if he actually <laughs> just wanted to <laughs> spin the decks. But, uh, yeah, no, that's... Uh, it's great. I think what Gilly's doing for the game, and if it gets a couple more thousand people in to, to get their first taste of rugby and half of them stick around, uh, I think it's a positive thing. Yeah, I think both of you, in the short time you've been in the U.S., sport here is an experience. It's not just a sporting event. It's an experience, and if you're not part of that, then you'll get left behind pretty quickly. So I think it's great what L.A. have done and, and what you guys obviously delivered on the field as well to back up that. Everyone loves a winner, and L.A. have proven that this year. So excited i'll leave you with this last one before we let you guys go and get ready for tomorrow 80 minutes gone tomorrow la lifting up the shield how did you do it what was the thing that made the difference tomorrow for you guys dc oh, i'll start with you mate yeah i think all championships are won on the back of heart and, and grit so yeah whether we do or don't score some nice tries that's irrelevant like uh if we defend our try line with with everything we've got 
and turn them away, then uh, that'll go a long way to win it. So probably our our goal line stands and our, our D zone defence will be the big thing for me. Yep. Yeah, I'm same as DC. You know, just that togetherness and showing we care for each other th- through the way we fight. I think um, it's going to be tough. We're gonna be, there's going to be moments we're under, under pressure, and as long as we stand up and fight for each other and fight for the for our team, um, that'll get us a result. Yeah, it's going to be great. Good 80 minutes and a uh, little little revenge too. There's not too many teams you can say that in the league, but a little revenge on the mind for Atlanta tomorrow. So it should be good. Dave Dennis, captain of the Giltinis, Darren Coleman, head coach. Thanks for joining us, gentlemen. Go rest up. Excited for tomorrow. We'll uh, hopefully be catching up after 80 minutes. Cheers, thanks for all your work. Thanks, Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, we'll take a quick break. We'll go to the break, taking a look at some of the highlights from the captain's run today. Nothing too technical, though, DC. Don't worry, we won't give uh, too much away. It was Deno's run, so I don't even know what they did, actually. <laughs> <laughs> You'll see a little, bit of, a little bit of dancing, actually. It'll be good. All right, thanks, cool. gentlemen. Cheers. Like, we've done the f***ing work. Yeah, yeah. Just believe that. Believe that it's going to come this weekend. Don't worry about shit now. There's nothing we can do. We've prepared the best we can. Obviously, a little bit of detail to be right for Captain's Run, but we've done the majority of the work. Yeah. Now we just got to believe in it. Believe in what we've created and what we're f***ing about. Yeah. Let's just play together. Don't worry about little shit. If things don't go right, don't worry about it. Move on. Yeah. Like they said, play by play. Stay in the moment. Keep competing for 80 minutes. If we do that, we can win. I promise you. I think we just got to go out there and defend like with that love and that attitude. You know, that's our identity, collectively, defensively. Go out there and love what you do. I can show how much you love each other, how much you love this team, how much you've loved the experience this year, this journey where we've all started from in our D, in our two-man, in our fast and hungry, our spacing, everything, every bit of detail at our, our defence. Go out and show you, show us, show yourself, show the crowd, show each other how much we love it. Right? And like you said, we can, we defend like we're capable of. I promise you, we'll win this game. Yeah. A moment, at, each moment at a time. Defensive moment of time, we hit. Hey, come on, boys, bring the hype. Final. Yeah. 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 I got it. Yup, yup. Yo, it's the final. I got the chills down my spinal. My crew rolls all deep like with vinyl. I got my big board ride bug like a rhino. Messing with me, sobby the albino. <laughs> Dreams, I'm here to chatter. MCs come against us, the blood is about to splatter. Atlanta, it's a load of banner, but we're coming with the heat and we'll make you screaming for Santa. You think you got a chance? Watch your body start to dance. Gonna run over you, dude. You wake up in France. My crew is here and we're coming with the stance. My crew is ready because the beat about to go in hand. So let me go. Let me steal the whole show. Giltini's here, here to drop a whole flow. But at the same time, here with the same rhyme. I got my crew here with my whole crew design. So let me just chill and stand and scale. Giltini's are coming, coming at will, coming with everything, coming with here, coming at the end until the crowd is gonna cheer. The ship is here and we're here to fucking steer. I got the tingles because the final is near. So let's just finish with an old school flavor. I got my crew here, finished like a raver.
I'm Dano. <laughs> Wearing my flannel. Welcome back. Another special guest, and they don't get any bigger than this, the Commissioner, George Killaroot. George, what a weekend. Firstly, 99-0. and 0. We are undefeated as of tomorrow when the whistle blows. What an achievement for you and your team to make that happen. Yeah, it's a big deal. Uh, the league office is 99-0. and 0. Most of our teams would love to be undefeated, but we got 99 matches in without any you know, stoppage because of COVID. And that's really, you know, all about our players and our coaches and our trainers taking the protocols that our medical committee have, have put in front of us and sticking to them um, and not taking shortcuts. And, and really, if you saw our teams travel, they look like they were in hazmat suits. I mean, yeah. they took it seriously. Yeah. And, and that's why we got to the end here uh, without, a, without a defeat, you know. And, and some of the more established leagues can't stay the same. You know, yeah. they had COVID outbreaks that caused them to, you know, have to miss games. And so we're really proud of that. And that's, like I said, that's really on our players and our coaches and our trainers and our medical staff so that just really did a great job. Now, now that we've made it, <laughs> did you think we were going to get through it this smoothly? I, I didn't, because, to be very honest with you, I did not because – you know, our players, a lot of them have, like, second jobs. Yeah. And it's not like we can quarantine uh, maybe like the NBA or the NHL was doing. So there was a lot of outside factors. I wasn't worried about our people. I think everybody took it really seriously, and we're going to do it, you know, to the nth degree. But I was just worried about the outside exposure. And the fact that we got here is really a cool thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, can you talk a little bit about the commitment of the Toronto Arrows? I mean, in this COVID world, they, they went on the longest – rugby tour ever i think it was like three world cups or something i mean just to make the league happen and for their season to happen was really an incredible commitment by players staff of, of the arrows yeah i've said you know had had the toronto arrows ownership called me before the season and said hey you know what um i think we need to sit this one out because what we asked them to do was herculean we asked them to leave their country and move their entire rugby operations to Atlanta to share with Rugby ATL, and that, that was a big ask. And I would have been, I was fully expecting maybe to get that call, and I would have been fine with that because I thought, you know, it would be kind of a little bit unreasonable to have to do what they, they did. But, you know, not just Toronto, but look at what San Diego went through. I mean, right. they were complete nomads, you know, trying to play in Las Vegas for a while. And, I mean, it, it tells you a little bit to me about kind of the DNA of the sport. Uh, and the resiliency of our players and our and our owners, like we were not detoured at all. Like there was there was nobody blinking. Everybody was full speed ahead. Whether it be the COVID protocols, whether it be the relocations, um, and here we here we sit today in beautiful LA, uh, yeah. the day before the finals, and and being on live on CBS tomorrow. I mean, it's it's a great day for Major League Rugby. I, I think it's interesting you talk about the DNA of the sport because as someone who grew up playing overseas. You know, in America, jumping in a car as a recreational rugby player, driving four hours, playing a game and driving back is normal. Right. Anywhere else in the world, they'd be like, you're crazy. But I think that DNA is, you're absolutely right. It, it translated into the commitment that the sport had, the players had, to make sure this, 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 uh, this season happened. I, I, I want to talk about something that happened this season that, to me, was really, like, um, changed the way I viewed MLR, which is... Um, the rugby network mm -hmm. and the ability for us to all watch all the 
all the games. Right. Um, I think that my family, we, we lost some time on the weekend as <laughs> I walk around with my iPad. But you can talk a little bit about the um, rugby network, maybe the partnership with Rugby Pass, how that came about um, and, and was, you know, uh, right at the start of the season. I don't know mm-hmm. if it was timed that way, but it was like, you know, a couple of weeks before this is going to happen. It's just been remarkable. Actually, the birth of the idea, the first time I met the Rugby Pass people, were here, was here in L.A. At the, at the L.A. 7s. And, you know, they were explaining to me that they were the leader in the space around the world, but they had really no presence in North America. And they said, you know, what would you think about doing a joint venture where we kind of join forces and we launch, you know, the Rugby Pass in North America as the Rugby Network? And I was all over it because in our first few years, we were kind of like the least attractive clients on like another OTT platform. So we were getting no publicity at all. And when I started hearing about it, I'm like, this is definitely the right thing to do. And then all the shoulder content that was going around and all these podcasts that were out there, Ben Foden's show now has a place to live. Um, And then, you know, we asked them, you know, how do we define success, you know, in the first year? And they kind of gave us a number. They said, you know, if you could get to about 25,000 subscribers in the first year, we think that's about, you know, that we would define that as a success. Well, we got to 25,000 subscribers at the halfway point. You know, so this weekend we have a chance to really take that over 50,000 or get at least close to it. So no question we did the right thing. No question we partnered with the right people because they're experts and they, they're just great in the space. And then all the other shoulder content that we put around besides the MLR matches are making it a success. And it's part of our long-term strategy. Yeah, and, and that parlays into my next question is having that subscriber base, now you can go to organisations and we partner up with American Airlines, Geico, Guaranteed Rate, Wintergreen, some great partners come in this year. I mean, my kids run around the house now because they hear me say 15 minutes could save you 15% of your car. Like, say it, Dad, <laughs> say it. And the ad will come on and they're like, oh, you do it better than that guy, Dad. And, uh, well done, Dad. Yeah. That's great, that's great uh, stuff. The whole season <laughs> of saying it, George, it's, it's ingrained in my head. I mean, I can go through it all. But now you have 50,000 consumers that you can go to these organizations, these blue chip organizations, and now's the time for them to say, we have to get involved with rugby. Yes, exactly. And then secondarily, you know, when you start talking to television partners of the future, this is an asset that we own and we will continue to grow. And then when we're talking about at, the, at that great day where people are paying us a lot of money for our content, we also can say, and by the way, on our wholly owned OTT network, we have 250,000 people that are right here ready for you. And we can turn that over to you as a, as a marketing piece when you talk about broadcast agreements of the future. So, yes, definitely on the sponsor side to have some critical mass, you know, for, for those names that you so eloquently uh, just spit out very uh, <laughs> like, you, like you do this every day like I do. Um, but also the, the tangential kind of ability to go to networks and say, hey, this is a captured audience that we have built. They, they have voluntarily registered to be on this. It's yeah. not like us making them. Right. These are really committed consumers that are committed to the game. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yep. Which, Which is- as a company, if you're a Geico or American Airlines or a guaranteed rate, that's who you want to speak to. Right. You want to speak to people that are committed to the things they do. So, uh, yeah, it's been a nice, yeah. nice launch for the rugby network. All right. Pete, on the commercial side, anything else? Or we jump to the rugby stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Now, now I'm in trouble. You and I chatted at the start of the year, George, and you said, my, my, I want no one to go 0 and 16. I want no one to go 16 and 0. We ticked that box. Yes. You want close games. No league oh my in gosh. the world is closer yeah. and more exciting than MLR. Like, 
the unpredictability is the only thing that is predictable in this league. Right. That you don't know what you're going to get. It's must-see television. Tomorrow, paint your dream picture for me. <laughs> don't have to name a winner. Oh, trust me, I would never do that. <laughs> Coach is still standing over there. He's waiting to see what you You pick. know, what, what you want tomorrow is just a really great showcase for the sport on CBS. It's our biggest stage. So you really want it to go down to the final possession. Um, and, and if we get that, I don't care if it's high scoring, low scoring, or what have you, but if it does go down literally to the last couple minutes and the game's hanging in the balance and we get a try, you know, as time's expiring, I mean, if that's the drama we want, you know, we, unfortunately we can't script it out that way, but um, you ask what's the best. Yeah. That well, would, we're in, that would we're be in Hollywood. I can see the Hollywood sign there, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hopefully we'll have the Hollywood ending that yes. we're all looking for. Yes, beautiful. So, you know, we, we're here at this amazing setting. I mean, uh, I think for most of us that, you know, have been involved in Major League Rugby since the start, I'm not sure we would ever believe that we would be here, right, at the Coliseum with this, you know, amazing facility. Um, and even back then being on sort of a main network, right? So it's, it's obviously huge. Can you talk about, you know, I think there's um, uh, maybe some um, misunderstanding about the league, and the owners, right? And so there's the league that runs the competition, but then the owners do so much. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what this group of owners, you know, to get through COVID, but also not just to get through COVID, but to continue to grow the game, better facilities. We see more teams coming into their, their permanent facilities. Can you talk a little bit about how well the owners have done this season to keep the league growing? Yeah, I mean, this was a very difficult season because at the onset, you know, we were playing in front of empty stadiums. So there's no ability for some of these owners to monetize their investment. But, you know, what attracted me to this job in the first place was our 12 owners because they just have that, that DNA. They're pioneers. They want to make this sport succeed in this country and, and in Canada as well. And, you know, if, when you have a group like that that you're working for, it makes things pretty easy. And, and each one of them, it's like an arms race. They all want to have the best of the best, right? So even I went to uh, New England for their final game. You know, they moved stadiums into Quincy, and they had their largest attendance that they've ever had in their history. So, you know, franchise by franchise, they're taking these steps uh, to get better and, and to be in better facilities and to draw more people and to have more sponsors. And, and it's, it's, it's really cool to see the internal competition amongst them. Uh, no one wants to be at the bottom, right? Everybody wants to be either on their way up or have a plan that maybe they're not in the perfect facility today, but they have a plan to get there in the future. And, and can you talk a little bit about what the league is doing in partnership with the teams to help grow the game as a whole? Obviously, this is the pinnacle. This is the very top. But there's been a big push by the league to help and, and by the teams to develop the game below MLR and through the grassroots. Yeah, it's crucial. Um, you know, the, the one thing that soccer has on us, not only does MLS, they turned 25, we turned four, uh, but, you know, just the youth participation right. in that sport versus ours. And so every team has their own story of what they're doing at the youth level, at the academy level. Obviously, at the collegiate level, the sport does pretty well, and we saw that. Uh, the results of that, when we did our draft last year, having over 425, I believe, athletes registered for the draft. The collegiate pro uh, product is, is there and, and thriving, but it's, it's the youth and, and the academy piece that needed some work. And, and all our teams are all, you know, that, that was kind of the good news of having to shut down after five weeks last year was you had some time to really put into those kind of plans. And there's not a team that's lagging behind or that doesn't know how important that piece is. We have a... a 
terrible habit of looking forward instead of living in the moment. I'm guessing <laughs> <laughs> you're probably going to fall into that category too, George. But tomorrow you'll be having a beer to celebrate a successful year, but I'm sure you'll be planning while enjoying that beer. The draft is coming up. It's, it's up next. I know that uh, you and I were involved in the first one and, Again, question marks, but it was a resounding success. We saw that this year, all 12 first-rounders playing. Right. Uh, and then rookie you know, underclassmen who came in undrafted rookies who mm-hmm. had an impact on the league. What else? What's the next big uh, you know, milestones that you're looking at for the league here? Well, you know, we've, we've solidified our 13th team for next year. So the Dallas Jackals are, are full-fledged members of Major League Rugby now with all the things that go with that. So, um, and that's a really strong ownership group, too, led by the president of the Texas Rangers of Major League Baseball. Uh, so we're, we're excited about the Jackals coming in. Uh, we're excited about just gaining some momentum and really and hopefully as we lift out of this COVID cloud and we can really start concentrating on the grassroots business of the sport, which means really boring topics like selling season tickets and selling big group nights and having great local sponsors and having really robust local broadcast agreements and being a good community citizen and growing your youth rugby, you know, that's what we need to get back to. Those are the fundamentals of sports marketing in this country, whether it's our league or anyone else's. And we got to get great at that so that as we come out of it and into next season, our stadiums are full. We're putting on a great show. It's not just obviously about the rugby. It's about the rugby attainments, everything around it, which our teams are embracing. We're seeing teams add mascots. We're seeing them add contests in the game. We're seeing halftime just like we see in the, the other leagues. And we've been kind of preaching that from day one uh, when we got here. But now I think people are really starting to understand why that's important. I think when the league started, it was just a bunch of rugby guys that said, let's start a professional rugby game and the rugby fans will show up and life's good. And now we're realizing it's got to be way more than that. We have to have something for everyone. So rugby's the core product. But, you know, we use the analogy, if you're sitting around the dinner table on a Wednesday night with, you know, the wife and kids or what have you, and you're talking about, what are we going to do on Saturday? We have to be the answer to that question. And the only way we're the answer to that question is we have something for everyone sitting around the dinner table. So maybe somebody's turned on by the rugby piece, but it's fun. There's mascots. There's good food. Parking is easy. You know, and all those things that you have to do in order to get people to attend things in, the, in North America these days. You have to have something for everyone. And, and we're, we've been pounding in that message, and I think it's really uh, come through, although it's been a difficult year with COVID, but as we go into next season, no excuses. Like, well, they, these should be events. Yeah. There should be pl- places like this and great backdrops yeah. like this and Steve Aoki playing, you know, post-game. And, like, that, that's, this is you're, major. You're just telling me you're a huge Steve Aoki <laughs> fan. Yeah. We are very good friends. Actually, I met him last week. Tomorrowland. <laughs> For the Enjoy. first time. We're going to Tomorrowland when it starts again to see yeah. Aoki together. I got to meet him last week in New York, uh, and, and he didn't know anything about rugby. We started talking, and fast forward uh, to today. But having that kind of world-class entertainment like, associated with our sport and our game is, is, is really important because each of these teams only have eight home games, so they have to become events. You can't take a day off, right? You know, all eight of these home games for each of our teams have to be a show. And I think everybody gets to that now, and I think everyone's really looking forward to next year where we're not under a lot of these restrictions, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm actually excited for Halloween 
in Boston and a bunch of kids dressed up as Woogie running around. I know Mags and Eric will be thrilled if they can see a bunch of little Woogies running around the neighbourhood as well. All right, we're going to thank uh, the Commissioner, George Killaroo, for joining us. I'm sure you've got a quiet weekend. Not much else on your plate, George, but no. get back to it. Enjoy the game tomorrow if you can. Yes. And uh, we're looking forward to catching up during the off-season. Will do. Thank you, guys. Perfect. George Killaroo will toe to break now with some of the uh, action from Rugby ATL throughout the season. Los Angeles Giltinis on CBS. Well, we all know they got a lot of big names, a lot of stars, they're fantastic rugby, so we'll prepare really good for them. It's, it's going to be a spicy one, you know, obviously they came down here last time we played them and we put on a really great defensive stand, and hopefully we can show some spiciness, you know, in our attack as well. Low light. I saw Pete was Mike Petrie's shirt, but we'll be able to fix that. Let's talk now Eastern Conference, the road here for Rugby ATL. Coming into this season, Pete, Atlanta, you know, kind of a, a little under the radar, but I think that suits who Atlanta is. They don't want to be on anyone's radar. They like being, you know, don't talk about us. We'll walk quietly, carry a very large stick, and a large stick it was. They absolutely physically dominated the Eastern Conference. Their defense is their foundation. What stood out for you for ATL this year? Well, I think it's, it's interesting because if you look at ATL, they didn't have a strong start to the season. They were, they were three and two. They, they lost two games in a row, right? So they lost um, to New York and then a close one to the Gilgronies. And, you know, two and three, really, really struggling. I think the most important game for them was that NOLA game. Right. Nola came in and um, they really came out of the blocks fast. I think it's where um, Adrian Colise, I think it was his like, third game um, since came in, but he really blossomed in that game playing at fullback. And, uh, you know, they, they dominated Nola, which we know is a, is a good side. And that led them to, I think it was six wins in a row, including against the Giltinis. And that's when they really started to squeeze teams defensively they really started like there's a lot of teens scores against them where people just weren't able to score i think the challenge for them has been being able to score enough points themselves so we saw that i think last week against new york you know they they were they were dominant but their ability to get over the line has been uh, has been a real challenge i think there's two things that have that have really separated atlanta so one is this defense if you followed us on the podcast you know I love the way they play the defense. Um, they're physical. They create two-player tackles. They come off the line. I think that's been um, really important for them. And the second thing has been their bench. 
um, particularly in the set piece. They've been really been able to bring strong players off the bench. They've, they've had lots of type five depth. And so when it's been close at um, 20 minutes to go, they're a bit of a Utah, right? When it's close at 20 minutes to go, you know that they'll bring fresh lengths. I mean, Ross Deacon's been phenomenal coming off the bench of them. He's been a bit of a try-scoring machine, even though he's only playing 30 minutes a game. Um, he started last week, but is back on the bench uh, tomorrow. So that bench has been really, really important for them. Yeah, for me, one of the big things is you look at the LA roster and you can see, obviously, 100-cap Wallabies. You can see these international stars. There's no one on that roster ATL that jumps out to me as like, oh, wow, yeah, I, I know that guy like from global rugby, but it's a system that's in place down there that everyone buys into. And getting the best out of players like, to me, Jason Darm. What, where was, who was Jason Darm before the season started? All of a sudden, he's unstoppable. Ball-carrying machine, tackling, everything. He's great. Mark O'Keefe gets kind of sent away from New York, goes to the 10s, not signed, a couple of weeks before the season. Bam, has a great year in the centres for Atlanta. They just got the absolute best out of the players they had on the roster. And to me, that's what made them such a great team. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think... One of the things in that start, that two and three start, is I think that for Scott Lawrence, the coach, he was just finding out who can play in the system, right? Um, what I think one of the things I really like about what ATL does, I think Utah does it as well, is that they actually have a year-long program. And so they had the 404 team, which I think is where Jason Darm kind of blossomed. So their developmental program that played in the fall. And we have a lot of players that have come through that that, that have done really well. I think Darm's probably, probably the biggest one. But in those first few games... I mean, I don't think they had all the guys that they were supposed to have. There were a few guys that came in. I think Grunfeld came in a little bit late. Carlos, they come in a little bit late. But I think there was a lot of kind of working out how that system can play and who can play in that system. And, and, and because they're led by defense, it's really about the effort and who's able to really put that effort in. It's about, and because they build that wall, it's about who can get off the ground quickly, rebuild that wall the quickest and learning who can do that because that, defense is one of those defenses that's only as strong as the weakest guy the guy that isn't launching hard is the guy that you know or isn't able to get off the ground that's where the weak link is and you've got to find 15 or 23 guys that can do that and i think as the season went off on i think atl find, found that and they really found it that in that six game winning streak where yeah. they were just really phenomenal well and they've got a great pipeline i gotta tell you i was recently at the uh, under 23 academy in, in glendale helping out uh, mike tolkien my old coach down there with some of these young kids the number of atl backpacks i saw kids in their academy in the 404 and i'm like oh i really like the looks of that kid and then he put on his atl backpack so i mean atl fans the, the future is bright down there they've done a good job with recruiting I, I will say that there's two concerns about atl we saw it a bit last week so so the first one is penalties and in particular the penalty at the ruck that's, gonna, that's been a challenge for them all season. It's a little bit based, I think, primarily because they're so physical. They create dominant tackles. They hit um, ball carriers. They knock them back. It's very messy. And so when you're the tackler and you get up, the ball's right there because you're over the top of it because you had a dominant tackle. And I think they've, need to, they've improved that discipline a bit, but it's still been off and on. So that discipline at the tackle and at the ruck, I think, has been a problem. And the second thing is being able to take their opportunities. Right. You know, we again, we saw it last week, but we've seen it in others where they've really, um, you know, had the line out, but the line hasn't hasn't quite executed. And and I think that that's kept some of their games probably closer than it really should have. OK, we did this with LA. Give me your signature win now for Atlanta. And I'm going to make it a little harder for you, Pete, because, you know, I like to do that to you. 
It can't be the LA win. What's their signature win? Well, I'm going to come back to. I mean, I, I like like. Can it be the win I already talked about? Because I think that Nola no, win. Right, that Nola win in week six, where they were two and three, is what really launched them. It was the first of their sixth game. And I'll, I'll come back to, at the end of that six-game streak, there was a game with Nola where they won 8-7. Right, so I think those two Nola wins that bookend that six-game winning streak, because at the end of that six-game winning streak, they were top. And they really kind of knew what they needed to do, yeah. right? Like, 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 by the end of that six games, they were like, okay, now we know what we need to do, and they can relax. What about you, Dan? What's, what do you think their signature? Yeah, they win. <laughs> That's why I couldn't let you have it. I'm going to take it for myself. No, I mean, it was one thing like New York. Like, I, I get New York. Like, there's the upset element to it. Like, the, right. you can spring the, the trap. Um, L.A. came into Atlanta, and Atlanta, that was... Uh, just a bruising game. Yeah, like I physically actually felt sore the next day from watching and being tense. And um, but it sets up obviously tomorrow, which is well, which is brilliant. So here's the you know so that that win was seventeen twelve to Atlanta, mm-hmm. right? So I think that we can make a prediction about the chances of the different teams, right? So if there's a one in front of the scores for each of the teams, Atlanta probably has the advantage. If there's a two in front of each of the scores. Maybe even, maybe a little even bit LA. Yep, yeah. If there's a three in one of the scores, it's probably, it's probably LA, right? So, so it's interesting, like, the, the tighter the game stays for the longer, I think the greater advantage it is to ATL. All right, let's do our three, two, ones now uh, for ATL for the season. Third best player, if you were picking right now. So I really like Momsen, the Johan Momsen, the, the, the lock. I think he's been a great ball carrier for them. He's um, really active around the field in the ruck and obviously a very, very strong line-out jumper. We talked about that with DC. They've added another line-out jumper in there. I'm going to go Heaton, Matt Heaton. I think when he was out, they, they just didn't look the same. I think him coming back from injury at the back end of the season is really big for them. Just a, an amazing defensive leader as well. Strong tackler, makes his tackles, nuisance at the breakdown. So I'll go Heaton. Who's number two? So... I think um, Ezcura, Bautista Ezcura, he's someone that, um, you know, an Argentinian sevens guy, has played a little bit all over the bat line, but ended up being the primary 10, right? Even though he probably isn't a 10. I mean, I think they started, you know, they, they were looking around for someone that can play the system. I think um, Van Schultwick started at 10 the first two games, wasn't working. Ezcura stepped in, and he's such a good player on the front foot. He's such an attacking player. He attacks the line. He's a good defender. He's playing 12 with Kurt Coleman at 10, and I think 12 is his best position, but I think Ezcura has had a really, really great season. I'll go Carlos Adrian Carlos I felt he was the circuit breaker that ATL kind of needed because a very regimented, you know, structured team, and that was the, the foundation of the success. But as you know, in rugby, sometimes you need a little X factor, right? A little circuit breaker in there. I thought, I thought Carlos I provided that, and when he moved to 10 and, and kind of played a bit of 15 as well, just gave that that little bit of X factor, a little bit of unknown. When he has the ball in hand, he can make some magic happen. All right, number one, who have you got? So I'm I'm going to go a bit of a bit of a wild one here. I love maybe a little bit different. You get wild, Pete. You know. So um, so I'm going to be, give a big shout out to the type five because I think Chance Wengluski yep. has been a phenomenal player for them. So we we heard um, uh, you know Dave Dennis and Darren Coleman talk about the strength of the uh, um, 
of the set piece of ATL. I think Chance Wengluski's been just a phenomenal player for them. Um, he's very active around the field, really solid in the scrum. And, you know, I, I would say it's probably, you know, his, him and, and Grinvold, maybe both of them together are the, are the number one, because I think that, that, that pairing's been really strong for, for the ATL team. That's a good pick. I'm actually going to steal your number three for my number one. I'm going Johan Momsen. I am a massive fan. I didn't realize I could do that. I'd have probably, I'd have probably gone with Carl but okay. We massive <laughs> Massive fan of Johan Momsen. If you're, where's my, if you're a young lock, come in close on me here. I really want you to feel the intensity here. Zoom in. Zoom in. Come closer to me. Bring it in to the, the beautiful face. There it is. If you're a young lock and you're watching Major League Rugby tomorrow, watch Johan Momsen. Don't watch the game. Watch Johan Momsen. That guy is everywhere in everything. Lineouts, set piece, Phase play, leadership. If you could package him up, I would buy him and give him to my mum on Mother's Day. That's how special he is. Johan Momsen, MVP for ATL, in my book, Pete. No, no, I, 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 think, I, I think it's a good shout, Dan. I think, I think it's a good shout. And I think that um, he's playing at eight tomorrow. And I think that uh, it's going to be very interesting to see, that, see how that works out. We know he's going to be an asset in the line-out. We know that he's going to be an asset around the field. But can, he's able to control the base of that scrum. We know that the, the, the scrum and the line-out is going to be important. But I don't want to preview the game. Yeah. We have that coming up. We do have that coming up. And we will step away for a short break. When we return, we're actually going to be joined by Scott Lawrence, head coach of ATL. And we're going to have a couple of rugby ATL players with us as well. So don't go away. We'll be right back after this. Marco Keith, welcome to ATL. The new signing gets a try. against the Los Angeles Guiltinis on CBS. Well, we all know they got a lot of big names, a lot of stars, they're fantastic rugby, so we'll prepare really good for that. It's, it's going to be a spicy one, you know, obviously they came down here last time we played them and we put on a really great defensive stand and hopefully we can show some spiciness, you know, in our attack as well. We are back. It's a tight uh, little bunch here. Don't worry. We're all, uh, we're all vaccinated, so it's all good to go. We have, starting at the top of the pecking order, he's giving me that look now. He looks like uh, John Voight and Anaconda with those eyes. I'm terrified already. Scott Lawrence, head coach of ATL. Ryan Nell, captain of ATL. Matt Heaton. How you doing, boys? Welcome. Scotty, we'll start with you, mate. What a year, right? Uh, we just talked about it coming into the season. Not too many people were talking about ATL as title contenders. I get the feeling internally, though, this is where you thought you were going to be, and now you're here. How's the season panned out for you? I think for us, it's, uh, you know, 
we, we just set out to get better every week. You know, starting from last week to this week, it's it, that's just the goal. So the fact that we're here, that's a blessing. That's good. It's uh, uh, it's not the um, it's not the end goal for us. Uh, we you know we want to grow as a franchise. We want to do something that's special for the city of Atlanta, and uh, we just try to do that every week. Yeah, and it, it was a different year coming into this because. Not only are we dealing with you know COVID and all that stuff, but you also have a second MLR team that you're sharing a facility with. Obviously, everyone owes a huge debt of gratitude for Toronto for making their sacrifice, but also mm. for you and your staff as well. How was it having Toronto kind of in your backyard for the season? It was uh, it was wonderful. You know, I think we felt you know for the Toronto uh, players to be away from their family and friends for that long. It, it's very tough, and, and that's just the nature of our sport and our league. We're all in this together, and we were more than happy and grateful to have them in our facility and in the city and, and around our players. And, you know, we just we developed a good relationship with their coaching staff and players all, all the way on down. So I've got a, I've got a question for the, for the players that we have here. So when you guys look back, I mean, you know, uh, uh, the coaches always have a certain view, but when you guys back, look back over the season, what do you guys think has been um, the reason that you're here? What's, what's been really strong for you that has allowed you to get all the way to the final? Um, you know, I think at the end of the day it was what hard work um, and uh, just the way the team pulled together. You know, guys were selfless playing for each other um, and that's kind of what, what became a pillar for us as, as teammates. Yeah, just to touch on exactly what Nelly's just said, um, it comes down to the boys. We've got a great group of guys who are willing to put in the work week in, week out for each other, and I think we really bonded around that, and we just took it in every week, just trying to get better and better, and here we are. Yeah. Now, 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 you guys didn't have a, a great start to the season. You were two and three. There were some struggles in terms of, like, I think, trying to get the system in place, um, and then you went on the run, right? So there's that six-game winning streak, and at the end of the sixth game, it was like, ah, oh, top of the league we kind of control what we do can you talk a little bit from a player's pers- perspective about that run and sort of how the confidence grew and you know what what do you think the key was to be able to keep that that momentum going through those six games yeah well it's it's never how you start it's how you end um so but it was important for us just to kind of break the process like coach said now week for week and we just wanted to better get better week for week and uh that kind of started building some momentum for us I think it was a little bit of a cohesion thing as well. Like we forget our season was cut short last year, so we really haven't as a group gelled and I think it took a little bit there's a little bit of a learning curve to kind of figure out, you know, when you play with new players, you know, what the tendencies are or, or what their skill sets are and what their skill sets aren't and then eventually we kinda of just gelled as a unit and, and found a system that we play really well as a team. So let's talk a little bit personally because both of you had an interesting year in terms of injury, right? both healthy at the right time of the year. How is that time out watching the team kind of go through the paces, especially for you, Nelly, because you had a quite, a quite a stint on the sideline there. You come at the back end of the year, and it's a massive luxury for Scott and the rest of the boys to have you come back into this side. But how was that while you're out rehabbing, getting healthy again, and kind of watching the boys go on that run? Yeah, you're eager to get back on the field, but um, it was good playing my part off the field as well, and uh, just as excited to be on the field now at the moment. Uh, yeah, yeah, really enjoying it. Yeah, and, and for you, heat injury a bit later in the year. Obviously, you were a huge part of that. I thought you were, at one point, probably the best player in the league, uh, definitely at your position. I know you, you had... Yeah, Lucas Rumble, who is now back in Toronto, not at the championship, Lucas. Yeah, you heard it. You know, he's number one, number one seven in Canada. But you, you had a late kind of bout. No, the, the borders open next week, aren't they? You're, you're good to go. But 
How is that late? Obviously, the finals were never in threat for you, were they, in terms of your, your injury? But how was that time out and kind of getting to hit refresh with, the, obviously, the, the Canadian obligations as well? Um, it was yeah, it was weird. I've actually never had a, an injury that's kept me out uh, that long. So it was a bit of a learning curve for myself personally, just to figure out you know where your your kind of mindset goes in those situations. And actually, I spoke a lot with Nelly and kind of got a feel for what I kind of could be doing um, when I wasn't on the pitch. So yeah, it was it was a bit of a learning curve for me, um, but it was it was I was really proud of the work ethic the guys put in, and it was good to actually see it from the injured point of view to see how hard the guys train. Because when you're in the environment, it's just you know yeah. what I mean, it, it, you just kind of go through the motions. So to actually see, you know, the work getting put in by the guys and and all the little extras and things like that, like it was a really proud moment for me. Um, so when I got the opportunity to kind of trickle back in, you know, I was was refreshed and excited to get back in with the guys. So. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about the, the sharp end of the season. You guys had, I mean, a slightly physical game last week against New York, right? I mean, that was a very, that was a very physical game. Um, from, so first of all, I'm going to ask you, Scott, like how was, you know, how was the week? And, and, and then we'll ask the players how, how the week was. So we'll talk about, like, you know, how, um, you know, what's the recovery process that you come from when you come off a game like that? Has this week been different, the same? Um, you know, how have you approached the week coming off such a, a physical, tight, and probably emotional win last week? Our athlete performance guys do a real good job of monitoring the men and making sure that we've got a good plan around it. So, um, you know, as you get later in the season, you rest a little longer before you train again and train a little bit shorter and, and more intense. So, uh, you know, only about three sessions really in total this week uh, and uh, just very focused on what we needed to do. It's not a whole lot of changes at the moment you just follow the process and uh, look at the things that we need to improve so we spent the first half of the week recovering uh, and looking at ourselves uh, very closely from the semifinal making sure that we invested in those things and and that we got them uh, shored up and then we obviously we took a little bit of a peek at LA um, and so uh, Nelly you having been out just coming back you probably feel as fresh as like, like, like fresher than anyone else but also you need to get into like the season right so the first couple of games are actually where you might feel but you feel like you feel good physically and, and is the team like coming into this you know do you guys is is it excitement nerves what's the what's the sense of the of the group? Uh, I, I think a good balance between the two um definitely you know when it comes to our week prep we've we've been through long weeks we had short weeks so it's kind of we, we've got the rhythm of the process that we need to follow so we kind of stick to that and um yeah again it's good to be fresh but there was a good period of about five weeks that you work hard before you earn your way back onto the field as well yeah i think like nelly said you get into a little bit of a rhythm and you start to get a feel for what you need to do throughout the week to make yourself ready for the weekend so like scott kind of touched on it there we spent a lot of time just focusing on recovery and getting a lot more mental reps in, um, just making sure that everybody's sharp and on point. So it was, yeah, it was, I would say it's the same week as we've had all season, just trying to get better. Yeah, now let's talk about tomorrow, obviously. That's why mm. we're here. You play LA tomorrow, one of the few sides that has a win over LA. Scott, what what have you seen, not only in that game, where you got the win, but from the, the body of the season, that feels like you've got a game plan to beat them tomorrow um i i think for uh for us it's uh the game plan is just to be the best version of us and that's it i mean if that's good enough that's good enough if it's not 
then uh, we've still won. So, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say that, uh, you know, we look at L.A. and, and think uh, any differently. They're a team of superstars. Uh, they're, uh, they are a team. They're not just superstars, and they play well together, and uh, they're formidable. That's why they're here in the championship. But, uh, but again, guys, for us, it's just about getting better. It's just about being the best version of us, and if that's good enough, we'll win. Yeah, Nelly. Before we jumped on air, you were saying you can't wait to be the man that retires Adam Ashley Cooper. Do you want to elaborate on that? <laughs> just, just kidding. But you, you obviously, that lays ahead of you tomorrow. They're a great centre pairing. You guys have a great centre pairing as well. What's excited? You know, what are you excited about tomorrow for the game? Uh, you know, when you go out onto the field, you want to play against the best. Um, so that's another opportunity to do that. Um, that's kind of how you measure yourself. So it's a good challenge for us as well. Um, and hopefully we can live up to that. Yeah, and heats obviously you run in. For you, it's a little different. The, the one-on-one battle is almost 1v8 in, in the forward pack because you're yeah. taking on everyone. <laughs> Who jumps out to you as someone you're going to have to keep an eye on tomorrow? And then, obviously, what excites you about the game tomorrow? Uh, I mean, Cottrell's been good for LA all season, so I think we'll just keep an eye on him. But, yeah, I think as a forward pack, we're just really excited to, to go out, and it's a monumental challenge, and we know that. And I think that's what we do really well is we rise to the occasion. So that's been the mindset is focus on us, be the best we can, and go out and perform. Yeah. Hey, final thoughts here for the... Well, I mean, just, just, you know, if there's a... Um, what's a memorable moment for you guys this season? What's something that, like, 20 years from now you'll look back, could be on the field, could be off the field, but, like, 20 years from now you'll look back and you'll tell your kids about something that happened this season? Winning the Shield, I bet. What are, what are you reckon? <laughs> well, that's, that's maybe if you win the Shield, hopefully that's it. But let's say that's happened so far. Something that stands out for you guys. Uh, for me, it was when uh, Eamon Matthews was named into the lineup and got game time in New England. He worked incredibly hard all season. He was uh, dedicated in our Red Scout team. And just the reaction in the room from all the men when he was announced in the squad uh, was something where it was really special for all of us, really. Um, yeah, for me, it was actually just the first week before the season started. You know, we had this a cold start to the week and it was just a special way to see how the guys were really just buying in and, and kind of working hard and that kind of set the tone for where the season's going to go for us so that's yeah. something I'll, I'll always remember Smashing Lucas Rumble? No, it, but it was it was the fire and ice for me it was, uh, you know, I'm friends with all the Arrows guys and it was good to have that little bit of uh, leverage now when we have a bit of locker room banter so yeah, yeah, sure. it was great oh, It's good stuff, alright, we'll let you get I know you've got your captain's run coming up now so Scott, you're a world-renowned jokester. Any any jokes for me? Any new ones? Um, no. No, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Scott. <laughs> Scott Lawrence, appreciate it, brother. As always, a pleasure. Been right good. Now. Yeah. Matt Heaton, the boys. Cheers. Thanks. ATL, they're going to go perform their captain's run now, their final preparations for a big game coming up tomorrow against LA. We'll take a short break. When we do, we're going to dive into the world of MLR television like you've never seen before. So don't go away. That's coming up next. Like we've done the f***ing work. Yeah, yeah. Just believe that. Believe that it's going to come this weekend. Don't worry about it now. There's nothing we can do. We've prepared the best we can. Obviously, a little bit of detail to be right for Captain's Run, but we've done the majority of the work. Yeah. Now we just got to believe in it. Believe in what we've created and what we're f***ing about. Yeah. Let's just play together. Don't worry about little shit. If things don't go right, don't worry about it. Move on. Yep. Like they said, play by play. Stay in the moment. Keep competing for 80 minutes. If we do that, we can win. I promise you. I think we just got to go out there and defend like with that love and that attitude. You know, that's our identity. Collectively, defensively, go out there and love what you do. 
can show how much you love each other, how much you love this team, how much you've loved the experience this year, this journey, where we've all started from in our D, in our two-man, in our fast and hungry, our spacing, everything, every bit of detail at our, our defence. Go out and show you, show us, show yourself, show the crowd, show each other how much we love it. Right? And like you said, we can we defend like we're capable of. I promise you, we'll win this game. Yeah. A moment at each moment at a time, and each defensive moment at a time, we hit. Hey, come on, boys, bring the hype. Fight yeah. Yeah. I got it. Yup, yup. Yo, it's the final. I got the chills down my spinal. My crew rolls all deep like with vinyl. I got my big board ride bug like a rhino. Hey. Who the f is messing with me, Sobby the albino? Oh. Dreams, I'm here to chatter. MCs come against us, the blood is about to splatter. Atlanta, it's a load of banner, but we're coming with the heat and we're Screaming for Santa. You think you got a chance? Watch your body start to dance. Gonna run over you, dude. You wake up in France. My crew is here and we're coming with the stance. My crew is ready because the beat about to go enhance. So let me go. Let me steal the whole show. Guillotini's here, here to drop a whole flow. But at the same time, here with the same rhyme. I got my crew here with my whole crew design. So let me just chill and stand and scale. Guillotines are coming. Coming at will. Coming with everything, coming with here, coming at the end until the crowd is gonna cheer. The ship is here and we're here to fucking steer. I got the tingles cause the final is near. So let's just finish with an old school flavor. I got my crew here, finish like a raver. Yeah. I'm Dano. <laughs> Wearing my flannel. Break, break it down. I'm Styling of Alex Corbacero. Hopefully that board pack is freestyling scrum time tomorrow for LA. We are joined by a very special guest now. Show 100. We blow the budget out. We bring in the biggest names. Unfortunately, we couldn't get a late pardon for Joe Exotic. So we get Reese Edwards instead. Now, might be everyone at home's like Reese Edwards. Who's Reese Edwards? Well, let me tell you, the magic of television, not just in America, but the world, has had this man's fingerprints all over it. He has done World Cup finals, Wimbledon, right? The Olympics. Yeah. I mean, any significant television moment this guy is involved with it and you are give us your title again you are the welsh wizard aka <laughs> the what for mlr for mlr yeah technical director technical yeah. director <laughs> even, even he weighs it down he's the assistant to the technical director yeah yeah Reece, mate, obviously we've worked with you all year pleasure to have you here on the show finally it's my let's, pleasure let's talk a little mlr television because surprisingly it's a, it's a hot conversation in MLR. A lot of people like to talk about the TV side of the game here. Well, it's good to hear, Dan, and, and congratulations to the two of you on your century or the 100th yeah. yeah. program. Yeah, tip of the cap. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's been, hey, look, it's great, great to be involved with it. And, I mean, we've, I guess this is the, um, you know, the perfect kind of end, isn't it? The final, the, the occasion, everything that goes with it. Um, we've been working towards it. 
you know, uh, all season, um, as you both know. It's, um, you know, a little like the game itself. It's about teamwork. Yeah. And, and there's a huge team, a huge production team. I'm just one of them. Uh, yeah. And that's probably the best way I can sum it up, you know. If you, if you had to name, like, every team has a captain, like a leader, a star. If you had to name the star off the team, who, like, who would you name? <laughs> well, Pete knows that I'm going <laughs> to name him. No. Hey, look, so many names, as you know, so Dan. And, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's often the, uh, the guys behind the camera that, yeah. that do, you know, the hard yard, so to speak. Um, you guys, obviously, the talent are always so important to the production, of course. Um, but, again, that's what's pleasing about it. You know, like the game, we're all in it together. We're all, you know, doing our little piece to put it, you know, to put the best product out there that we can. And, and, it, and it really feels that, that, you know, as if 2021, to not have any um, interruptions like we did last year uh, has been fantastic. So let, let's talk about some of the challenges. Obviously, you've um, done a lot of stuff in the UK. Um, you work with people that have, like, decades of experience um, in broadcasting rugby, from producers to cameramen. What are some of the challenges that you face when... MLR is creating, you know, six shows mm. on a weekend in six different locations. What are some yeah. of the challenges that the, the, the team faces? Yeah, that, that's, um, that's a good point, and particularly about um, camera crews. I mean, listen, this is America, the best sports production on the planet. So we know that we have a lot of good, strong production talent across the board. But if camera operators have never either seen the game or worked on the game, we have to try our best to give them an idea in a very short space of time about, you know, the best way to do it. Um, and so I would say that's, you know, that's one of the biggest challenges we're, we're faced with. And it's testament to, to their standard as professionals that, that actually, you know, for most games, we're able to do it and get it done properly, you know. So, so let's, let's get a little technical because this is sort of where, where I want to kind of pick your brains a little bit because... Rugby's kind of unique in a field sport, right? So, so there's, you know, so, so for everyone listening, there's camera one, which is the big wide camera, right? So that shows you as much of the pitch as possible. There's camera two that's kind of from the same place that's close in. Then you've got cameras kind of dotted around in other yeah. spots. And in most sports, it's almost all camera one, right? So what may, yeah. why is rugby different than maybe soccer or yeah. American football? Like what makes it? more difficult to, to direct well it, it's more to do with because of the dynamic of the game and, and and you're right to say it's that combination of wide expansive play combined with tight play and getting the blend right between that camera cut makes all the difference in terms of the appreciation of the game to the viewer and with any sport what you're trying to do with television coverage is give them the best possible view of that sport and, and put them in the best seat in the house. So w with rugby and what's unique about it is if you covered rugby on one camera, wide angle the whole time, you'd have no idea about the tight stuff, you know. This, you know so you have to get that balance right. And, and from my experience, that's what I've noticed is that if, you, if you're talking about soccer or tennis, where you can rely on one camera, get it done, see the whole picture, and that's fine. With rugby... You've got to think about those moments and think about those camera cuts and put people in that position. And in a way, it's, you know, you can actually put a strong argument together that sometimes done properly. Rugby is actually a better sport to watch on TV at times because it'll show you something that if you were sat maybe at the back of the stand, you might miss it. 
you know, um, because you can get nice and tight. Um, so maybe that's a part of the challenge as well and, and trying to stay true to that. All right, what's your highlight of ML? You've been here a few years now. Like 2019, you come over. We, we get yes. the season done in 2019. 2020, yeah. as we know, is a nightmare for everyone. Yeah. Now you've done your second full season. What's your MLR yeah. highlight? Highlight. It, you know, it, it's, it's working with, with such great people. Um, the challenge that we've spoken about and, and helping the coverage of the game develop. You know, um, it's important to all of us. And um, for, for me, 2019 was great. You know, uh, getting involved in the first place was a, you know, was, it was a great thing. And, and, you know, that final in San Diego, what an, what an occasion, what a day it was. Um, and then to now sort of fast forward, have the disappointment of last year and then have a season like we've had and end up here with this amazing showpiece tomorrow. Um, you know what? For me, it'll be, it'll be tomorrow. Yeah. That, that's it. Plain and simple. Can't wait. All right, give, me your, give me your wish list now. One thing that you'd love, love <laughs> to have at your disposal. What, for tomorrow? Just to, yeah, in general. 15 extra cameras. 15 extra cameras. <laughs> Let's talk about that. So how many cameras are we going to have tomorrow? And how many cameras do you have when you direct the World Cup final? Well, that's, I mean, you know, when you're talking international rugby, you're talking yeah. maybe up to 35 cameras. But listen, we've got a really good specification tomorrow. We've got six cameras, but, you know, we've got really strong operators. We're going to be in a really good position to, to do justice to the product and service TMO, which is really important. Yeah. Um, and so you can't really compare um, kind of like for like. The important thing is actually that, you know, the coverage of the game, the main coverage of the game only requires for the vast majority of it those three cameras. And so, you know, as I said, that, that certainly won't so, be a problem. So are you going back to World Rugby and, and the guys there and being like, you don't need 30 cameras. Like, we can put on a good show <laughs> yeah, with six, yeah. which will save you a lot of money. Um, as you can imagine, I think with, with those bigger, bigger events, it's probably more to do with replay angles and, and the colour and the atmosphere and, and not missing anything. I, I mean, I, th- I saw the British Lions and there yeah. was like, like the, poten- the, the potential try by South Africa. And I swear they had 12 <laughs> different replay angles yeah, right, yeah. to see if they could put... The, put. So let's, let's talk a little bit yeah. about the TMO because yeah. we've had the TMO during yeah. the playoffs. Can you talk a little bit about like, how, how we want that to work? And, yeah. and, and obviously it's new, and so yeah. you know, we, we, we had some really great use of it in, 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 in the semis. So talk a little yeah. bit about like, what the expectation is for the TMO tomorrow. It, you know, that really it is just it's about making the right decision or helping the officials make the right decision, and that's it. And, and, and you know, what we're going to try and do and attempt to do is, you know, and only if we need it through our angles, be able to maybe clear something up or, you know, uh, say for definite that, that um, the grounding was good or maybe there was a foot in touch, so we, we reverse it. But as long as we can do our best uh, to offer those angles, make it a quick decision, um, and the important thing is, is to make sure that the decision is the correct one. That is it. Um, and actually, the fact that we don't have 35 cameras actually helps, you know, because uh, as you rightly pointed out, you take the Lions, you might have, you know, seven different options in one corner. So, you know, hopefully it'll be a bit more straightforward for us. Well, you've done this all over the world. A Friday night in rainy Glasgow doing Pro 14 <laughs> for the MLR final in the Coliseum, LA, 80 degrees. What are you picking? It's, that's a really tough call, that, Dan. <laughs> I'll give you an extra two cameras and you're coming back. <laughs> all day long, honestly. This is just brilliant. And, um, you know, that's the point. I mean, it doesn't matter, you know, 
which events or, or tournaments you've worked on to be a part of this um, and the way the MLR is developing it's it's absolutely brilliant and um, you know it's, it's just a, a, a pleasure for me to be here and, and to be yeah. working on it well I, I definitely know I speak for all the talent that's been involved and I hope all the other people as well the, the absolute privilege it's been to have you here I, I know you don't like being in the spotlight you don't like the praise but i think for fans who've enjoyed watching mlr on the national games on rugby network you know you deserve a lot of credit for the the standards that you've brought and and the, the lifting and quality that you've had and the influence you've had in the game here and i'm forever grateful for getting an opportunity to work with the great reese edwards i'm looking for a, forward to a summer beer in cardiff eventually and uh goes that saying Dan. one more one more reese we got one more <laughs> and we're done much appreciated dan oh, really uh, yeah Thank you very Pete, much. Do you want to suck up to? <laughs> I did enough. I'm not doing the game tomorrow. So I don't have to suck up. He's not going to be shouting at me. There we go. All right. I think we're okay. All right. We'll step away for a little break. And then when we get back, we're going to start previewing the big one, the big dance. It's LA and Atlanta. And uh, it'll be all coming up after this. I'll only disappoint you. And Brad Tucker, I hope I don't disappoint you here in the next couple of minutes. Uh, what a pleasure it must be for you to be on my show. Uh, our show. It's outstanding to be here with, uh, with you and Pete, mate. Thanks for having me on. Restraining. Those who are curious, the restraining order did get... Uh, we, we've got a couple of the finest, LAPD's finest here, keeping an eye, make sure I don't try to grab Brad and run away. But it's been dropped, so don't send your messages in. Brad is safe. Uh, he'll blink four times quickly if he feels unsafe, and, and I'll disappear quickly. But 2019 Player of the Year, Brad Tucker, no stranger to most people on the show. Brad, let's talk a little bit about uh, you personally. Tough year for you, mate. Yeah, the injury bug, unfortunately, bit you this year, and a tough year for Seattle. Physically, how are you feeling now? Uh, yeah, coming right, mate. It's obviously, it was a frustrating season, as you just mentioned, and it happens to all of us. Um, you've been there, you guys have been there with rugby and sometimes it just gets on top of you and beats you down. I think coming off, obviously we'd had a long time off. Um, I just feel like body was a bit soft and didn't handle everything and, and it broke. So big off season and come back and charging to go. And obviously for the team, we were hit by the injury bug across the board. But look, we've built well. Clarkie's come in and 
um, anyone that's watched us knows we're tuning back in the right direction, so no complaints here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I, d- I didn't know I was going to be involved I'm, in this I'm, interview. <laughs> I'm starstruck. So, just so everyone knows that, that since I, I flew in this morning and since um, I turned up, like, Dan and Brad have literally been almost inseparable. Like, I'm, like they've been walking off together, like, off, off to the beach, walking along. So I wasn't sure I was going to be involved in this. But I'm, <laughs> I'm happy. I'm, I'm very happy for, for Brad to be here. So let's talk a little bit about the, uh, um, the, the game tomorrow, right? Yeah. So let's talk. And, and so one of the big matchups is going to be in the line-out. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit? I mean, you played um, L.A. twice. You played Atlanta once. But in particular, like Dave Dennis, great line-out operator, captain. Can you talk a little bit about why L.A. is so good in the line-out and in particular scoring from the line-out? Yeah, I just think, you know, their line-out's being run by one of the shrewdest operators in the league. And you look at a guy like, like Dave Dennis and you just look at his experience and what he's already achieved in his career and then to bring that into a new team and LA like he's done this year and you've just seen right from day dot they were a pest on defense and they were great on attack out of their lineup and you know you see when LA's playing awesome rugby they're winning great lineup ball and they're scoring epic tries first second phase off the lineup and I think you know they're just delightful to watch when they're scoring those tries off the lineup players so I think lineup's going to be huge tomorrow um, and saying that Atlanta our force at line-out time as well. We've got some big, some big options in there. And I see, um, obviously, Momsen and, and and whatnot are going to be in there. They're, they're in the fight all day. So LA's work's going to be cut out for them. But I think uh, it's going to be a great battle in there. Yeah, it's interesting because we talked with um, Dave Dennis and Darren Coleman because last week, I mean, there, there was a moment when I think they'd won seven line-outs and lost seven line-outs. And... Um, one of the things that um, LA do is they go very quickly yeah. in the lineouts, right? And so that requires really, really strong communication. And with the lineup just a little bit different, there were a few guys a little slow, a little slow on the left in particular, that I think really impacted them. So I, I think they've probably put a lot of time into that. Like, you know, going up against them, if you relax, the ball's up and got. Oh, I mean, you just... So, I mean, we've, I've been playing in a game against them. You, you guys aren't even sitting there in and out of there. So you know that they're trying to do it. I think Cottrell coming back is going to help there. I mean, he's pretty decent in the line-out as well. Uh, just gives them more options. And anyone that's been in a line-out knows the more threats they have there, the more difficult it is to defend. So it's going to be, it's going to be a big part of the game tomorrow. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the whole week. Because 2019, Seattle, underdogs go into San Diego and you, know, you win the game, last play of the game. Right, you score a try, win the game. How is that week for you? Like, what are what are the LA and the Atlanta players going through right now? Twenty four hours removed from this game. Well, I think uh, there's two ways you come out of a semi final, and one way is you're either you're kind of expected to win, so you're relieved, and then you know you've got that. God, thankfully we got through to the yeah. final. Then you switch back on, let's go. And the other team, well, I don't think any, I think both these teams were the favourites to make the final this year. But, so they're both probably going to be in that mindset. And then obviously you just start getting excited. And especially Atlanta travelling into LA. It's a bit different for LA being here already. I think it's a, you can slightly go through your, uh, your normal routine a bit more. But travelling as we did last year coming into San Diego, um, I think the, the, the key is to build the hype throughout the week, and I'm sure Atlanta will have done that. Do you think it's a detriment being here for LA? Like, nah, not said, at all. Like, you almost feel the energy lifting because you get on the plane you know, yeah. you, to the big stadium. For LA, this is their home ground. It's so familiar. 
it's just another game, or do you think Atlanta can now harness the energy of, like you said, the, like you're on the road, like this is a big game, it, it kind of builds in the favour of the underdog? Yeah, look, I think LA, oh, sorry, Atlanta will be using that in their favour to bring the energy that way, but I've no doubt LA have got some tricks up their sleeves in terms of their preparation and building their week the right way so that they're peaking at the right time as well. And you look at their roster, they're full of experienced guys. Yeah. I mean, there's no, I'd be extremely surprised if they weren't fizzing to get, go. Get, yeah, yeah. Get, get caught <laughs> napping, yep. Well, you know, I think if we, if we look at the game tomorrow, Brad, what, what do you think the keys are? I mean, L.A. are the favorites. I mean, I think we can say they're the favorites. Um, you know, Atlanta are strong, but I don't think um, have had a stronger season, obviously. L.A. have a couple more wins, but also L.A. just have that explosive attack. You know, if you were coming in for Atlanta, what, where do you think you need to win? Which areas of the game do you need to win I think set, win the game? set piece. Um, obviously the line that we talked about if, if Atlanta can keep LA under pressure like they were last week they're going to be in the game all day um, if LA can provide the good ball and really strike with that back line in the midfield then it's going to be an open running game uh, Atlanta's kicking they're going to look to slow the game down and kick the ball in corners and back their set piece and that's going to be on LA to counter that and run it back we, uh, we're going to see exciting rugby no matter what um, the midfield's going to be an interesting battle for me with uh, Nell coming back in last week um, and then obviously you've got Meeks and Ashley Cooper in there so it's going to be interesting uh, Atlanta need to slow LA down there which they did last time they played and LA will be trying to take advantage of Atlanta out there and, and create space for Ashley Cooper and then get it out into the widths Yeah I think it's, uh, it, it's interesting because without JP Smith at prop right, that's a big loss they put Charlie Abel who is normally a tight head he's now going to be playing loose head right? there's actually a real opportunity for rugby ATL to put some pressure on that scrum to not give um, LA that attacking platform mm. to get over the gain line to get that go forward ball because they do such a good job of getting over the gain line getting the forwards around the corner and then being able to read the space whether it's Goddard coming back weak or whether they're able to go like they just play so quickly you can't set your defense um, I think the interest I, th- I think the interesting thing for me is is the is the ruck Yep. Um, and the defensive ruck of rugby ATL where they can slow the ball down yeah. but not give away penalties. They yeah. give away more penalties than anyone else in the ruck, so that's going to be a challenge for them. Yeah, and I think ATL have talked about that, and obviously you can't afford to give LA field position all day. In saying that, LA will attack from anywhere all day, we know that, but if Atlanta can, can not give away too many penalties, still get away with slowing that ball over, maybe Heaton getting a few turnovers in there, I mean, that's going to put it, it, pressure under on, on LA. Yeah, I mean, when Atlanta beat LA, they had 36% possession. And 60% territory. So they were literally, just like you said, here's the ball, we're just going to play defense. Yeah. They made over 200, and, I think they had 220-something tackles. Like, it was ridiculous. Like, yeah. they literally just gave the ball away and said they're going to lead with their defense. So, I mean, it's a risky move against this uh, um, LA team, but it worked that first time. I think you're right. I think we'll probably see some of it again. Yeah, two good kickers and a great defense. Uh, two good kickers on the Atlanta team, maybe even more, and, and a great defense versus, uh, versus an excitement machine. It's a... It's two of the great different ways to play rugby, so it's going to be an exciting game tomorrow. Still can't believe you're here. Just have to Sorry, face <laughs> out a bit. Hey, I'll leave you with the last one, and we'll let you get back to your off-season. Who has to be the man of the match for both teams to win the game? So LA wins, who's your player at the match? Atlanta wins, who's your player at the match to get it done? Whew. That's a tough one. Dan, by the way, as, as, you're, as you're thinking about it, I'm just going to say, 
Dan throws this into, like, we, we just talk about, hey, what are we going to do on the show? And then he just throws questions like this right I like, into it. Right. I like genuine, like, raw. Okay, well, <laughs> it's a great question. Thank you, Brad. I don't know how genuine my answer can be. Um, I've got to be Matt Ghetto for me from L.A. Yep. I think of Matt Ghetto. I grew up watching Matt Ghetto, and he was my favorite Australian rugby player growing up. So if Matt Ghetto has a stormer tomorrow, L.A. win. Um, and uh, Atlanta... Unfortunately, I have to be biased. I've got a mate in Atlanta, so um, on the wing, if Tarangatia has a good game, scores a few tries, uh, get, those, get those feet going, I think uh, we could have some excitement out there for Atlanta as well. So those are my two to watch. I don't know if he's playing, is he? Is he hurt? Waitokia? Yeah, Waitokia. Oh. 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 I don't know. Well, not much of a mate then. If Waitokia's not playing... <laughs> um, Live television, folks. Hold the phone. I'm going to look at the roster real quickly. <laughs> Keep going, Bradley. You're doing great. Tokyo isn't playing. If Tokyo isn't playing, oh. I mean, I mean, I know you're a forward, but you could say you could have the same argument with well, Kirk I see, Coleman, right? I think yeah, Coleman, Coleman coming in at ten, his kicking, Escura and Coleman's kicking in. Oh, I think I, I think so. I, I think you're right. I mean, Escura's left foot, Coleman's yeah, left foot. I think, I think they complement each other. I think, I think other. they complement each other really well. I think if those two, like, it's different because Matt Guido, I think, has to be on the front foot. Right, if he's on like when you said, does he have a stormer? That means he's on the front foot. That means the forwards are getting fast ball to him. They've got that solid set piece. I think that with um, Atlanta, it's actually about the kicking game. Yeah. If Escura and Coleman have a great kicking game, well, I think they have to have a great kicking game for ATL to win. Not playing. Not playing. Yeah, close friends, you two. Oh, sorry, T. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, mate. Sorry to you know. I'll flick your text. Apologize to him. And <laughs> I said sorry, T. Down the camera. Sorry, Look, T. One. Down it there. Sorry, T. Sorry, T. I hope you get well, buddy. Tucker, I'll take care of him later. All right, Brad, appreciate it. Enjoy the game tomorrow. It's great to have you here. Obviously, looking forward to seeing you back on the field, though, not up here with us. Not yet. You've got a couple of good years left in you. Uh, good luck for the offseason. Excited to see you back in MLI next year. Thanks, Dan. I think there's one thing, Dan, that, that, that maybe Brad and I can do. I don't know that you can do. We need to make some predictions. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's hear it. I'm going to defer. Obviously, I'll be doing the game tomorrow. So, sitting on the fence, which I've pretty much done all year. Yeah, you pretty much have done it. I mean, in, in some of our in some of our podcasts, Dan's like, "Oh, I'm calling that game," and afterwards, we're like, "Oh, he's not calling that game. He just didn't want. He just didn't want to make the choice." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so I think um, I I'm going to go with LA, but I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be in the 20s, which is where that balance is, and I think the game's going to be like 24 20 to uh, um, to LA. So very close. Yeah, I was going to say LA by less than five, but uh, in saying that, I think it's going to be a great game of footy, so I'm excited. Yeah, I think JP Doyle wins tomorrow. JP. The American audience gets to see the, the magic of JP Doyle. There you go. There's my winner. Safe bet, the officials. <laughs> with the officials, Brad. All right, that will wrap us up here. And uh, show 100 in the books. Obviously, Pete, myself, Aaron Casho, appreciate the sport through 100 shows, but this one wraps it up. Make sure everyone tunes in tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern on CBS, so 1 p.m. Pacific kickoff local time here in L.A. It's L.A. taking on Atlanta for the MLR Championship in 2021. We'll be back next week to wrap it all up, probably not with the same pomp and circumstances today on the usual format. And, Pete, I think uh, our Give Us a Jersey, there's been over, what was it, 50,000 entries, so we've got to filter through them. We'll announce the winner next week. Pete, anything else? Final thoughts? It's been great. Great to be here. Thanks, thanks to Brad and to the staff and, and coaches from both teams and to Reese and, and, and the guests. It's been great. Wonderful to be here. Excited for the game tomorrow. And uh, looking forward to hearing your lovely voice, Dan. Thank you, Pete. For Pete Steinberg, the professor, 2019.
player of the year, Ross Neal, not forward of the year. String Bean, Brad Tucker, <laughs> our entire crew. I'm Dan Powell. This has been the MLR kickoff. We'll see you tomorrow at the championship, folks. Till then.